if you like betting on golf. But everyone that you back misses the cut, get some experts involved. With all the stats and the tips and so much more, cause it's the golf betting system, the golf betting system, it's the golf betting system. Greetings and welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 136. Paul Williams and Barry O'Hanrahan are with me to discuss who we are backing at the CJ Cup on the PGA Tour and the Scottish Championship on the European Tour. Good morning, gentlemen. Morning, gents. Good morning. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gamble aware. You can visit begambleaware.org for more information and, of course... Please bet responsibly. Visit Golf Betting System with betting previews, with tips, masses of tournament stats, and our predictor models, all available completely free of charge. Please subscribe to this podcast and drive the popularity of the show. We're available on social media. On Twitter, Barry is at a good talk golf. Uh, Paul is at golf betting, and I am at Bamford Golf. You can join our Golf Betting System Facebook group. The link is available in the description box. And please look out for the Steve Bamford Golf YouTube channel where I present the Golf Betting Show every week. Just recorded the CJ Cup edition. Please take time to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We've had a good flow, gentlemen. So thank you uh, to responding to my prompts over the last few weeks, listeners. Um, It's the podcast currency and drives our listener numbers continually upwards. As ever, for those of you who leave a review, I will read them out at the start of next week's show. So, I've got one here from Billy. Good day, Billy. I don't know why I'm saying good day, because he's not in Australia. He's actually in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, Excellent golf podcast, five stars. Highly recommended this podcast to anyone looking for additional insights to supplement their golf betting process. Great info for both the PGA and European Tour. Thank you, mates. And that's from Billy. He's in Atlanta. I'd like to know from Billy in Atlanta. What are we going to expect from weather conditions at Augusta National in a few weeks' time? Mm, yeah. Yeah, very good point. Thank you, Billy. Yeah, it'd be interesting. Like, that's going to be the dynamic, isn't it, at the Masters? Billy, very... get in contact with us. Yeah. What What should we expect in November, November at Augusta National? Is, are we going to be seeing soft turf conditions? Is there going to be some wind in the around? What kind of temperatures? That's exactly what we want to know. Golfers themselves don't seem to know the they don't seem to know the answer in any podcast or interview I'm reading. Mm. You'd imagine the greens are still going to be pretty firm and fast because they're going to, they've got the summer air to suck all the moisture out of it. But as for the fairways, you'd imagine that time of year there's going to be a bit of dew about. There's going to be a bit of a bit of moisture in the air. It's going to be a bit cooler, isn't it? It should be. A... Will the course be overseeded? But they already did just do the seeding. Are you guys not watching Twitter? Come on. <laughs> They've already like, overseeded it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What they overseeded it with? With other grass that looks green. <laughs> they tend to overseed with dry they, well, they tend to overseed with dry grass, don't they, in on the fairways and the rough. Because they they've yeah. just they've just done that at this golf course in Las Vegas. But what about the greens? Are they still going to be pure bank grass? Yeah, oh, come on. They've got, they're, they're, I can't say they're going to rip up, or not rip up, I've seen those 
greens, they'll just make them. Bent grass is one of the grasses that can maintain itself through the uh, colder periods, isn't it? If it was Bermuda, they'd have to do something about it, but um, the manicured, pure bent grass greens of Augusta National, uh, I can't say it. I could be proven completely wrong, but um, no, no. I've got another one here. Perfect podcast for golf punters, five stars. If you like a wager on the golf or simply like a level-headed and statistical preview of PGA Tour and European Tour events, this is the business in podcast form. Really well-balanced content with stacks of supportive data. Found this pod when the Racing Post stopped doing their weekly show. So pleased that I did. I keep up the great work. All, uh, keep, sorry, keep up the great work all. I can mirror the conversations we're having with other halves each and every Sunday, especially when my players are in contention. I think this goes back to a couple of weeks ago when I'm always talking to my wife about the fact that X has gone wrong or Y has gone wrong. Or... That's from Splinter Boy. He's in Great Britain. Splinter, appreciate your, your input. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, thanks a lot. Thanks for taking the time, both of you guys, for... Your reviews, very much appreciated as always. More reviews, always required. Five stars, please. I will read them out next week. And clearly, our uh, podcast listener numbers are continually growing, especially as we get towards the Masters. Right, should we talk about last week? Mm. I know that Paul snared a 40-1 to full each-way return on Ian Poulter. Yep, the postman delivered a place at least. Actually, to be fair, on Thursday, I was doubtful he was even going to make it through the uh, day because he was really struggling mm. with those back spasms that he had uh, talked about a little bit the day or two before He's, the event. But He said it was the Scottish Open, the wind, the rain, and then a six-hour drive down the M6 down yeah. to England. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's obviously something that he knows about and something that he deals with and... Had some treatment on the uh, on the course, um, and uh, you know it, it was a shame because you look at some of the shots he was playing and some of the, some of the you know some some of the game that he was demonstrating was incredible. And I think without that, without that hampering and hindrance, he would have been far closer. I think to to Tyrrell Hatton's total at the end, but um, can't take yeah, away. It's a shame. Yeah, you can't you can't take away from Hatton. I mean, he's. At that Rolex series level, he is absolutely unstoppable, isn't he? He's, that's his third, I think, now of uh, uh, Rolex series wins and uh, clearly very comfortable taking those level of checks home each time, he, uh, each time he wins. And he's one of these players, he gets into that position and there's no sign of choking, is there? There's no sign of, yeah. there's no sign of any weakness. He'll just go and convert those opportunities. So yeah, well done. If you if you took, I mean, the price on him was quite skinny. He was around sixteen, so um, you're taking a chance on him at that kind of level. But um, in the end, well deserved winner. Mm. It's and good. You... I like it's. I like watching Wentworth. It's nice. It's just I don't know. It's uh, just a nice vibe about it. <laughs> also brought back good memories of our trip there last year so um good goal, good yeah it, it was yeah, not a nice bit of escapism for a few days you know to remember better times let's say yeah yeah no it's, it's always good to see it on the on the uh, on the circuit on the uh, on the schedule and um yeah hopefully next year we could be able to get back and uh, have a little walk around the course and stop off for a couple of pints on the way eh? patrick mm. reed continues to play well mm. he's clearly 
dual-carded, isn't he? So you'd expect him to be at the DP World Tour Championship at the end of the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah he, I'm sure. Tra- I've read also interviews with Colin Morikawa that says he's coming across as well. Yeah, no, again, he's um, one of the guys who's very high up on the race to Dubai, so mm. it would make sense for both of those guys to uh, commit to that as well. Um, yeah, it's interesting to see how they go. Uh, a couple of eye catches. Sally, Sammy Valamaki um, caught the eye last week with his iron play. Very, very good. And uh, GMAC has been really struggling um, since lockdown. Um, started to show a few sparks with the putter. So I know there's some events at the back end of the year. If he comes back over to uh, to the um, PGA Tour, then there's some events that he's done well in at the back end of the year historically. So perhaps one to keep an eye on if he does appear over your side of the uh, over your side of the pond. Yeah, you, whether he plays Bermuda, he might play Bermuda. Yeah. That'd be his kind of course, wouldn't it? Coastal. Absolutely. Yeah. You'd, you'd also assume he'll play Mike Oban, the RSM, mm. anything by the coast. And I did notice his putt, I think he was be- he top putts per GIR. Didn't he he was, average? yeah. A lot of his putting stats for the for the week last week were really good. So mm. um, clearly starting to get his head around it all. And he talked in an interview last week at the Scottish Open about how he struggled a bit with the whole kind of setup and the, the bubble and um, trying to get his head around it all. Because I think he's one of these players who needs to thrive off the... Um, the, the you know the environment he needs to thrive off the crowds, and without that, it's uh, it feels a bit alien to him. But uh, for him to play well at Wentworth in a decent field, and um, for that flat stick to start performing is a good sign for him. So, yeah, one to watch out for. Alongside Valimaki, I think Valimaki's got another big finish in him yeah. this year as well. His numbers were great last mm. Talking of veterans, Martin Laird, eh? mm. two hundred and seventy-five to one winner of the Shriners Open last week. I know that you scored with Hahn, didn't you, Barry? Like most of yeah. the world each way. Yeah, it was nice. Um, he was great odds for somebody who uh, had two top tens in his previous two outings. Uh, I know his course form wasn't exactly stellar there, but um, just couldn't ignore somebody playing that hot with those odds. And uh, yeah, it delivered nicely. I mean, a couple of the other guys just yeah, didn't fire so well. But, you know, the four kind of long, mid-long odds picks I had last week all made it through the cut. So, I mean, that's step one to getting to having any interest in the tournament. Mm. So it was a shame. Han, um, you know, his putter, I think it was pretty poor uh, with the putter for the week. Um, could have put himself into a, a much, much better uh conversation for the title but you know happy to get the place profit for the week onto this week and see what happens um i mean martin laird what a sunday that like when that eagle went in out of the plug live from underneath the lip of the bunker you just kind of felt yeah. felt that like yeah. destiny was on his side and yeah. you know then that that unbelievable up and down on 17 i mean you're given one path to do it one avenue to to get the ball onto the green and it's you know sometimes that clarity kind of helps simplify the shot in mm. a way, um, or just removes doubt you know yeah. of the other choices. And yeah, hit a great shot, rolled in the putt, <laughs> and and then and then uh, you know obviously plays a bit safe on eighteen and doesn't roll in. <laughs> well, yeah, it, it, a, bit, it, a bit safe, an understatement. Yeah, it, it was wobbling a bit by that stage, wasn't he? But um, yeah, fair play to him to pull it back round and to make the putt yeah. in the playoff to actually uh, to get the job done eventually. Kept everyone he sweating he was on him, didn't they? He won there in 2009. Uh, he won at Bay Hill 2011, 
TPC San Antonio, the Valero Texas Open in 2013, and he waits seven years for his next PGA Tour title. That's four PGA Tour titles for Martin Laird. Mm. And uh, I, was saying to, I was saying to Paul off air this morning, Ricky Fowler has five. <laughs> That's pretty crazy, isn't it? You've got players like a Laird, Charlie Hoffman, with these PGA, you know, four PGA Tour. Of, of, and then you say, oh, Ricky Fowler, elite level player. He's got five. I know there's a players in there and some decent events, but it's sometimes interesting just comparing numbers on victories. Um, but Laird, yeah, there was there was something in it. Two hundred. I know that uh, Sundog Monkey over here on Twitter he landed him. So fair play to fair play. That was a fantastic uh, call. That was. And he said at the start of the day, he's like, oh, yeah, I, you know, we all know what Laird's like. It'd be just great if after sort of six holes, he can guarantee an each-way payout, you know, not go five over <laughs> over the first six holes, like he would have done if I'd have been on board. Um, and he clearly started okay, and and then he actually kind of fumbles the last, gets into a playoff, and then wins. Um, fantastic. And, and the bookmakers must have been... Um, a sigh of relief because Matthew Wolf would have been particularly well backed. Yeah, I had Yoking Neiman. He needed to birdie either seventeen or eighteen to get me an each way payout, and he bogeyed eighteen. So that was that. Played nicely though, ne- Neiman. One thing I was talking um, about again to Paul off air: driving distance, and we, you know, that seems to that's the conversation at the moment. Bryson DeChambeau, blah blah blah, changing the game. Last year, Tony Finau at the Shriners Open was the longest driver on the golf course, 335 yards. So that is 12 months ago. This year, I'll just read this out. Bryson DeChambeau, 363 yards he averaged off the tee. Cameron Champ was at 352, second. Wyndham Clark was third, 350. Then we had Yoking Neiman, who is literally stick thin. He had 349 yards off the tee averaged in fourth. But our friend Sam Burns, friend of the podcast, 344. And Will Zalatoris, 340. That's four play- uh, six players over 340 yards average last week at the Shriners, all hitting it longer than Tony Finau did 12 months ago. Game's changed, eh? Well, it's moved on. It's incredible. That that's that explosion in driving distance. But I think they've all like they've all had the ability to do it. I mean, there's no they're not going out there and swinging at a hundred percent every time, and nor have they been for eons. Mm. I, I the re, the thing that Bryson has cracked open is something that was apparent for many many years since strokes gained came out and you know the simplified version being the closer you are to the hole the better the chance you have of scoring um lower on that hole yeah but bryson's gone and like everybody knew it but nobody was willing to kind of really take that leap and push it to like the the far boundaries that bryson has gone and pushed it to like he's gone and really tested that hypothesis uh, or sorry not hypothesis he's tested the stats on it and he's really gone after it and he's exposed it that it actually is just get it as close as possible and now that people are seeing success with it, they're like well i mean okay he's he's broken through that kind of ceiling that we all didn't fully believe or didn't want to be the one that would be the crash test yeah. dummy for it mm-hmm. and now they're all like okay i'm just gonna 
swing 10% harder, you know, or, you know, can I swing at 98% and keep it relatively in play? Yeah. And when so you they all the, have the ability, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's the trust in the yeah. process um, yes. and the trust in the results that you should get from doing it yeah. that they're all starting to gain it, now. It's okay. That makes that you clarified everything with that. So it's the mental approach. It's the strategic approach now. It's the I am just gonna yeah, I'm just gonna go for it as much as I physically can. Yeah, on it's, any it's, hole it that allows like, it. Yes. Yeah. Mm. yeah, it does feel like that. You know, when when they're presented with a 370 yard par four. What do they do? It's not. Is it, yeah, it's none. Of, it's none of this like five six iron off the tee anymore. No, no, it doesn't seem. No, no. It's like just whack it as far down no. as I can. can. Can you get greenside? Can you get the? Can you hit the bunker greenside? Yeah. Can you get to you know to, to a position where you can play a little um, chip or you know a little pitch in, um, or can you hit the green as Bryson proved uh, a couple of times last week? Yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to. I mean, there has to be. There has to be kind of a, a kickback from this the course the way courses are set up now. In that, this like rough around the greens or, you know, rough within 40, 50 yards of greens is actually stopping the ball from continuing to roll to maybe less advantageous mm. positions or disadvantageous positions. So if you start shaving all these roll-off areas, assuming the greens are slightly elevated, then you have the ball rolling further and further away and you're having to play shots off tight lies and you're introducing... Uh, more options to the guys on how to get the ball onto the green then instead of just gouging a, a lob wedge out of rough and just drop, you know, lo- you know, dropping it like a, a piece of putty onto the green so it just rolls yeah. out. You mm-hmm. know. I, I think I think we should hopefully start to see a, a little bit of fight back in the way courses are set up. And it because right now it's not very interesting. It is just the ultimate bomb and gauge. But we might get to a place where it's like bomb and oh mm-hmm. shit, he's now got you know, 65 yards, but it's off a tight lie. And yeah, if he yeah. doesn't land it in this, like, you know, on this tablecloth, he's screwed yeah. and the ball's gone off the other side of the green. That could reintroduce the interest in in uh, in the game. Uh, right now, it's, I don't know, it's a little bit so-so for me. I'm looking at the scorecard here for Shadow Creek this week where they're playing the CJ Cup in Las Vegas. You know, and I'm looking at, um, you know, 324-yard par four. The eleventh, clearly, everyone's going at that. But then you look at other holes, like that. There's a four hundred and five yard twelfth, and this is the this is this is the new thing. You you're sitting there and looking at these scorecards, going, well, that could be just driver to like thirty yards or twenty yards short of the green, a chip and a putt. Mm. This is the point now, isn't it? With these with this aggressive nature, this this aggressive way of playing golf. You're looking at scorecards now, and anything that's even sort of low 400 you think that could be drivable clearly well, some some holes won't be it depends on the topography and the layout of the hole but if it's a straightforward hole and it's dead straight they're going at it well you've, you've got a bit of altitude um with you this That's week good, as yeah. well yeah so yeah and, you, and dry air low, yeah. you know, low humidity ball just doesn't get dragged mm. as much in the air mm. That's why I think this this week on the, at the CJ Cup is you know, it's a seven thousand five hundred yard par seventy two, and there's mentions of risk and reward, and then you just look at the length of some of these par fours and you just know that some the bombers bomb and gouge is very much in play this week, mm. and you can see why you're seeing stuff on Twitter now of Rory McIlroy, on you know on the driving range and he, and he's he, he's working on his drives and he's carrying it three fifty. 
it'd be fascinating to watch McElroy this week. Because he's clearly yeah. he's clearly working his way through the DeChambeau school of well, I need to start hitting it even further. Uh, the scary thing is that we all thought Rory used to, you know, swing fast and hit it hard, and you know, he's it just shows that he's got that other gear or two other gears to go to if he wants mm-hmm. to and needs to. And like we'd have always seen that with Rory and DJ when they really wanted to step on one, they, they just unleash it. But yeah. now it seems like they're going to just do that with a lot more regularity. Reckless abandon. Uh, I I don't know if it's reckless abandon. I think it's a calculated risk on certain holes. Um, I still think Bryson's kind of, he's got to jump on these guys because he's been doing it and it's been in his head to do it for a longer period, a lot longer period of time now. I mean, he mentioned doing this over a year ago. So how long was he thinking about doing it before that? Mm-hmm. So he has that kind of uh, time advantage on the guys in processing in his head um, and, and feeling comfortable with doing it. Uh, and the cons- and he also seems okay with the consequences of it going wrong, which is something that these guys will have to adapt to if they're going to adopt this strategy of just smashing driver as far as they can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you've, got, you've got to accept that some days, some, some holes, some days, some weeks are going to be... Uh, High variance, yeah. yeah. It's going to be a write-off, and then you, when you get it right, then it's going to be um, it's going to be a different uh, different level of golf, isn't it? <laughs> there might be a few more broken TVs in this kind of new era of uh, golf from punters, <laughs> and their guys they're licking their chops, thinking, "Ah, oh, he's going to drive this three hundred and sixty yard hole and make an eagle," and then he makes a double or a triple <laughs> well, yeah. triple bogey. Yeah, catch it slightly wrong when you're swinging at that kind of speed. It could be anywhere, could it? Yeah. Did yeah. you jump on the Bryson DeChambeau Masters train, Barry, over the weekend, where eleven to one's been backed into seven to one with a couple of firms? What, what I'm looking at one. this morning. No. Seven to one. I listened to a pot, no laying up podcast the other week with Harry Higgs. Who's mm, a, good, he's a good he's, show. He's a cool guy. Yeah. And Higgs was saying that the only doubt. It was either the Higgs No Laying Up podcast or Joel Damon. I can't quite remember who, but they were saying that they they were at college with um, Bryson. And the only doubt they've got in their own mind is how this new strategy of his will work if the wind really gets up. How can playing like this cope with windy conditions? Mm. And it was funny on Saturday that Bryson was in the worst of the 2022 mile an hour gusting winds on Saturday and all of a sudden it went totally awry. And that's my only... I said to Paul, mm. I wouldn't want to be backing Bryson DeChambeau at 7, 8, 9 to 1, four or five weeks ahead of the Masters, not knowing what the hell was going to be happening with the weather. Yeah. I mean, all he has to do at that at that price, all he has to do is have one or two early bogeys, and you'll get a better price on him straight away in running. Mm-hmm. So I don't, yeah, I, I I agree with you. I don't see the risk in in backing him right now at that, it's particularly with the weather. I mean, the the scary thing is how dangerous he'll be when he adapts his strategy to to something that maybe a slightly bit less reckless. When the wind is up, you know, so just a li- just 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 dial it back a little bit, just to keep the ball in play. Yeah. Just ride out that like one hour, two hour patch of wind, and batten you know, down you, the hatches. Yeah, yeah. par yeah, golf. Just, 
just yeah. a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead, instead of like trying to really brutalize the course when your chances are you know mm-hmm. diminished a little bit by the increased winds. Yeah, he, he's just gonna he's gonna be the guy just gonna keep leading this charge. Um, and uh, yeah, it's gonna be interesting. He's figured out a lot of stuff so far, so like, we can't put it past him figuring out even more uh, ways to, to get it done. No, no, I think, you know, we, we talked before about how his approaches um, weren't anywhere near the kind of level that would uh, allow him to dominate the game. Um, and then we got to the US Open and his approach shot, at shots were outstanding. You know, the, where he'd been falling over and not making these um, relatively straightforward um, pitches from, you know, from 60, 70, 80, 100 yards. Um, he suddenly worked out how to do it. And, you know, yeah. the, the US Open was a case in point there. And he's the kind of guy who's going to look at those weaknesses, as you just said, and work out mm. a way to overcome them. Well, he's based in Dallas, Texas. It's not as if wind isn't a factor where he can mm. practice in it because yeah. it's windy down there all the time. So, you know, he's going to have plenty of opportunity. And he's now having this whole four weeks off to completely strategize, isn't he? He's, did he mention also he's going to have a longer driver in play at Augusta? Look, Looking at it, he says, yeah. The talk of hitting 2,000 drives between now and then. and How can you doubt him at this stage? He just seems to be... He, you know, he figures out... If he doesn't have the answer right now, he's figuring it out pretty quickly. Uh, he's in, like he did he's in the, the lab, Open. isn't he? He's in the lab working at it right now. <laughs> it's fascinating to watch. It really is um, as a... As an outsider, I mean, whatever you think about him as a person in you know in the media, but like as an athlete and a you know sports uh, person, it's just incredible to watch what he's doing and how he's just dissecting the game. Mm. And as punters, we need to duck and dive and try and keep up with it all. Let, let's um, let's talk CJ Cup. That's the PGA Tour action this week. Seventy-eight um, man field. It's a short field. Um, clearly, CJ um, over in South Korea. Uh, this is the tournament they usually play at Jeju Island, Nine Bridges. Uh, COVID's banged that on the head, so it's been it's been moved to Shadow Creek Golf Course, which um, is the most exclusive and ranked and rated the best golf course in Las Vegas. Seventy eight man field, no cut event, no cut. So Xander Schauffele. Uh, punters will be all over that like a rash saying that I, I looked at Zan and he's they, they're getting these players they're not silly are they Xander there is no value in that man whatsoever at the moment he's being priced up with the big five every time he, so DJ at tens Ram at tens Ram's being backed um, so you've got Ram 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 or DJ at tens you've got JT at twelves you've got Xander at fourteens uh, McElroy is is elevens across most firms. William Hill have gone fourteens with him, and so bet three six five. McElroy's numbers at the U.S. Open were really really impressive. All of a sudden, the total driving was there, the ball striking was there. I'll be fascinated to see how well he goes this week. But yeah, you've got the top four in the world there, haven't you? Um, Xander's been ranked with them. Uh, Bryson isn't playing this. He pulled out. And then you're down to Morikawa. You've got five of the top six in the world with Morikawa. It's a a pretty star-studded event. 78-man short field, no cut. So there's there's plenty of money in the pot as well. And lots of official world golf ranking. 
points available. I read that if John Rahm finishes in the top four, we could be looking at a new world number one. I don't know how that works with DJ. I haven't seen that detail yet. Uh, star studded. The course itself is an interesting scenario. Clearly, we knew absolutely nothing about this until I started doing my research late last week. Uh, Shadow Creek Golf Course. It is a 7,520... Let me just look at the scorecard. 7,527 par 72. They're playing it at altitude. So as Paul said to me, that plays closer to 7,200 yards in reality. It's a Tom Fazio design. And it's the brainchild of Steve Wynn. Steve Wynn back in the 90s was yeah, the number one guy on the Las Vegas Strip, you know, Strip, he owned Mirage, Bellagio, blah, blah, blah. He wanted a um, his own golf club, and he wanted his, uh, clearly it had to be an elite golf club for his high rollers and to bring in the likes of, you know, presidents of the USA, Michael Jordan and the like. And apparently when he opened the course, he was he had to personally sign off who played on his golf course. That's pretty cool. It's literally like That's a nice place to be, right? <laughs> literally twenty or thirty people a day were playing the golf course when he when he when he first opened it. Uh, I think is it uh, one of the uh, one of the bushes has got a, a a locker there. Michael Jordan's got his own locker there. It's that kind of exclusivity. Mm. But it's actually what Tiger Woods said about this golf course. Tiger Woods plays. Um, he has a couple of events there a year for charity. One of the, I think, the Tiger Jam and stuff like this when things are normal. So he he's a, quite a regular visitor to this golf course. They also played the uh, pay per view where him and Mickelson played it out late in twenty eighteen. I think it was. Yeah, yeah. This this was this golf course. But this was the comment I found interesting about it. To go from a flat piece of property in a flat desert to creating something that you would find in the Carolinas out in the mountains, I think is just phenomenal. So I started thinking about that. It's, so what he's effectively saying is it's a Carolina kind of feel to it. And the Appalachians run through the Carolinas and into uh, West Virginia and clearly up, up and from, from that point. So he's, there's a mountainous feel. And when you actually look at the pictures, even though it was carved out of the Mojave Desert, um, Tom Fazio designed this, was basically told they wanted something brilliant. So first thing he did was dig so that he could then create a course that's got elevation changes. He then rooted in water. You can imagine how much that cost in the middle of the desert. So there's loads of water on this golf course. The The actual fairways themselves are undulating. You're not seeing many flat fairways at all. Lots of undulations, lots of uneven lies on the fairways and lots of elevation changes. We also see multi-tiered greens, plenty of elevation and undulation on the greens, shave off areas and lots of water in play. And when you look at it, there are various. There's quite a few holes. Shoot me down, but they 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 have an Augusta National feel to them. I mean, the signature seventeenth is over is over water to a long thin green. Uh, water's in play. Uh, there's there's a bunker at the back. There's vegetation on a hill. It just literally looks like the twelfth at um, mm. at Augusta. Yeah. 
and there's there's other holes that you know, just that uneven lie and, and tricky greens. It, it it had that kind of feel to me. And you know, and you've got you've got Carolina overtures there from Tiger. We've got George. I don't know. There there was something in that for me. Just looking at the the look the look and feel of the golf course. It's also pure bent grass greens. Overseeded Bermuda fairways and rough with rye grass, but A one uh, not A one. It's T one bent grass, and that's actually a bent grass that shared uh, a lot of the course at Old White, the Greenbrier Classics features the that kind of bent grass and actually i think that could be a course comp because i know for a fact that um the greenbrier is in that kind of appalachian uh, mountain set it's at elevation i know it's a par 70 but you just look at the course and it's surrounded by mountains and the like so i thought that might be something to potentially look at so it's difficult, isn't it? It's very difficult with these with these golf courses. It's difficult to know exactly what we're going to expect. But I keep reading risk and reward. Three of the par fives look reachable. Two look reachable to everyone. The third one looks reachable to the big bomb and gouge guys. The fourth one is uphill at 630 yards. Apparently, that's going to be reachable to only the very, very elite goal, uh, drivers of the golf ball. I think you're going to have a scenario where this man-made course, which is it, it's typical Las Vegas, um, it, it's got a look and a feel to it, but it, it's all been man-made. Um, but it's just the way it plays. I, I get the feeling at altitude. I, I just think it's going to be risk and reward. It's going to suit the longer hitters, ultimately. Is that, that isn't actually dissimilar to Jeju Island, which again, was a, it was a, it, the Bombers eventually won around there. I don't think this is going to be too much different. Course record holder is Dustin Johnson. He's got a minus 666 around this format. And before they extended it recently, the course record was held by Tiger Woods and Freddie Couples. So I don't think it's a bad thing to actually have a look at where Couples, Woods and DJ, what kind of courses that they played well in the past. Um... And you just look at you know, Pebble Beach. They've all got great records at Pebble. Um, there's links to, of course, Congress, uh, Congressional, Augusta. You know, no, none of this is, none of this is out of the ordinary. I think it would probably suit the fade as well, because Couples clearly one of the you know, most well-known faders that we know in golf today. Anything course to add? Course record's actually 65. Oh, is it 65? So seven under 65. I'd better change my yeah. preview. I'll Who said that? The, I'll send you the tweet. Um, oh, don't always read, don't always believe what you see on Twitter, mate. A <laughs> yeah, lot, a lot, a lot we, of information the, I read wrong, but I'm gonna go with the picture of the scorecards is probably quite a telling. Oh, that, uh, that, that'll do it. <laughs> that that'll definitely do it. Apparently, you can you can see your scorecard up after your rhinos, can't it? I, I didn't go that deep into yeah. the research to in check. The rest, in, the, what, in the restrooms. What, yeah, yeah, what the, the Vista was at the toilet. <laughs> yeah. So seven under 65. I think that you're going to be seeing 63, 64s this week. Well, you know, there's not much wind in the forecast, Dave, is there? Really? Uh, Thursday's a bit weird. And we're also seeing like your typical, your typical 32, 33. Barry's now Skyping me visuals as we're recording the podcast. 
It's the tweet. It's it's up to date latest tweet information from 2015. I do. I uh, when I when I see yeah. a scorecard, yeah, I do believe it. You know. So that's where we're at. Anything to add? No, no, um, I don't think so. No, not really. No, who's playing hot? That's, I mean, that's what I'm kind of going with this week. Who's hitting a good bunch of, you know, who's hitting a good bunch of greens? Reasonably okay at yeah. the, you know, scrambling and putting. But yeah, I often it, think that at these new courses, going for but it's a it's a week where ball you want to look at ball strikers, guys that can hit the most greens and then work from there. Yeah, it's less less, less uh, crap to deal with if you are on board the green just putting instead of having to chip and move it around the contours with your short game. Mm. So you'll, be on, t- you'll, be, on bu- t- you'll be on Bubba Watson with me this week then, yeah? I like that shout. Yeah, I do. Um, I mean, with the sort of Augusta analogies, uh, Bubba's been hitting the ball quite well recently. You know, As you pointed out, the US Open result was a a big eyebrow raiser for Bubba because um, nine times out of 10, you could put the house on him uh, bombing out of the U S open pretty early. Uh, so yeah, happy, happy, you know, happy to get on board. I got him at, uh, I missed the early prices on him, but you know, I think I caught 70 to one there. So I'll take that. Freddie couples, Freddie couples record at, at um, Riviera is unbelievable. First in 90, first in 92, second 96. He's then got fifth in uh, oh, uh, in, in uh, 2000, fourth 06, even third as recently as 09. And Riviera is known as a faders golf course. Woods always struggles there, although Woods has still finished second and fifth. DJ and, and Riviera just go hand in hand. So all those three guys that have been mentioned to play, you know, have course records here. They've all got fantastic, well, Apart from Woods, even though he's has finished second, but you know, with Tiger, if you haven't won eight times, you don't like the course. They can all play Riviera Country Club. I think that's a good comp course. Clearly in California, I, I don't mind that as well. And Bubba, Bubba and Bubba and Riviera are just—it's just hand in hand, isn't it? It's like cheese and red wine. So I'm on Bubba at those prices. And the other thing with Bubba, and I always say a lot of this is motivation. He's been he's been locked into fifty five to one this morning on William Hill. Um, he's outside the world's top fifty, so all of a sudden he's getting a bit of a reality check here because all the exemptions from winning the Masters and stuff it's all disappearing. If he doesn't get in the top fifty soon, you know, world match play got to be in the top sixty four in the world. Uh, February is it February March next year? He's not in the WGC field for Mexico yet. I think top 60 is at US Open. You you could be starting to miss some very big tournaments by continually slipping down the world rankings. Mm-hmm. He's looked better, he's, hasn't he? You know, in terms of he his metrics, he's, he, his uh, greens regulation, his long game full stop has looked, uh, looked a lot better in recent times. Um, mm-hmm. You know, for me, he's gearing himself up for the, um, for the Masters in a few weeks, but so that doesn't mean that he doesn't have a... A decent effort between now and then. Um, I'm on him as well. So confidence building, Paul. He needs to contend, doesn't he? You yeah. don't just win the Masters after like no, nine no, no, months no. of not contending. No. So I'm on him as well. So that's all three of us. So he's absolutely stuffed this week. If um, if we were stuck. Oh no, Paul. Paul, why did you do that? <laughs> it's fine with just myself and Steve on the bandwagon, but I think I think we're going to cause it to topple over. 
He was eighth after 54 holes in TPC Boston. Sixth after 54 holes at the BMW Olympia Fields. That was a tough old um, golf course until they started hosing the greens and John Rahm won. Twelfth after 36 holes at Wing Foot. That's the one that grabs me. He was actually competitive at a US Open. That show that shows a mental change there, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. He normally takes to a US Open or an Open Championship, and um, you know, you, you, might as well you, not bother. No, you might as well back him for, for a missed cut because you're far more likely to make your money that way than uh, to back him from anything positive. You might as well save on the air, the the, the fuel in your private jet on the way over with mm. those guys. You know what I mean? But Bubba's starting to grind a little bit. Yeah. There's something in that. So I, I managed to get on 100 to 1 with Paddy Power, so I'm happy with that. A cracking price that was. Uh, looking at this OWGR route, route I'm, I'm sticking with Joachim Neiman, who was an absolute fiend from tee to green last week. Just the putter didn't work for the first two rounds. Third for driving distance, sixth for total driving, fourth for ball striking, and fourth for all round last week, Joachim, the Wunderkind. He matched Bryce. I also think he played with Bryson on the Sunday in like one of the early tee times. And he shot five under 66, the same score as Bryson DeChambeau. I think for a player like Neiman, a young guy, 21, still kind of trying to establish himself at the top table, going out with Bryson, a US Open win a few weeks ago, and matching him stroke for stroke on a Sunday is going to boost his confidence no end. So I think 66 to 1 on Neiman is a decent price. So I'm on Neiman, who is flushing it, can hit it a long, long way, has a brilliant record on bent grass greens, and also has that potential link with old white TPC, that you know, that, that Appalachian golf course at altitude in the mountains. I think he's gonna love it around here. He said at the time when he won that old white TPC, he said I love this course. It reminds me of when I grew up in Chile, you know, mount, surrounded by mountains, tree-lined golf course. I think he'll go well this week. Mm-hmm. I've gone for Ian Poulter. Ian Poulter, you know, here's a notice to listeners. Every time I tip up Ian Poulter, he does nothing. But one thing you say about Ian Poulter, he knows the time of year to start playing golf, and it's the autumn. He's got wins in Italy, Valderrama, Madrid, Japan, Singapore, Hong Kong, Florida, Australia and China, a WGC. Between mid-September and early December. Is it any coincidence this is the time of year the Ryder Cup happens? Yeah, potentially. They tend tend to be. Well, yeah, I get that. I I also just think that he sorts... He's one of these players that Poland has always been the same. When he gets on a roll, he can string three, four, contending to put performances together. One after the other after the other. And don't forget, he was sixth in Scotland and fifth last week at Wentworth. I mean, we were talking about him at the top of the show with Paul. His scoring over the weekend was tie third best in the field with Tyrrell Hatton and Patrick Reed at Wentworth, Saturday and Sunday. He's done well at the CJ Cup in the past, 15th, 10th and 16th. I know it's a completely different golf course, but it shows that he uses this event regularly and he gets a nice haul of dollars, gets a nice haul of, of golf ranking points and knows how to use this no-cut event. Treats it with respect is what I'm saying. I don't. I don't see why he can't continue to play well this week. No, no, and I know last week. Pa- and he's hit, he's pa- Paul. You always say to me, always pick a player that's his key strength is is you know is is on top form. His putting at the moment is outstanding. Yeah, it, it, it did, and you know, aside from the um, 
you know the the back spasms that he did have, and I don't you know you can't completely ignore that. It's it's going to be a factor potentially for any time that Poulter tees it up over the next few weeks and months. Um, as long as he can manage that, then I think that's not too much of an issue. Aside from that, some of the approach shots and some of the some of the shots he played full stop at Wentworth were exceptional. Um, you know, he went went through a, a stretch where he got a couple of um, eagles on the back nine on Friday, I think it was. Um, That's right. And um, you know, some of the shots he played to achieve that would be uh, incredible, really, really good. Um, he's very close. Part of the rationale for me putting him up last week was that he was edging closer and closer to the top fifty in the world. And um, yeah. I know he's he's actually bang on the number now, Steve. I think, he's bang he? on the bubble, five zero, mate, right now. Mm. So, um, so yeah, a lot of motivation for him. Going back to Barry's point about is it Ryder Cup um, that kind of motivates in the back end of the year? I think it's um, a combination of factors potentially, but it, I think he needs that motivating factor. And if the motivating factor right now is to get himself ensconced right in the middle of that top 50 in the world so that he's got access all, to all of the... All the big events. All yeah. the big events next year, which he needs because yep. he wants to qualify for the Ryder Cup outright. Mm-hmm. Um, then, then yeah, I think there's a big motivating factor for him to to carry on. He could have uh, on Thursday, halfway through that round, with no motivation, he could have walked off that course. It he was, would have done. It was that. It was that close. And looking at him, you know, and to his credit, he stuck with that. Stuck with the pain. Got some treatment. Carried on because he knew he was playing well, and he knew he had to be playing well. So, uh, so yeah, fingers crossed that. I he, agree. Um, you know, he he can be fit and healthy this week because I think if he is. I think he will be competitive. He, he can compete on a course like this. You know, you haven't got to be banging it 350 nah. yards. Um, but Pole was on a roll, and I I think he's worth... The um, Betfair don't believe it at all. He's 150 on Betfair right now. I've checked. <laughs> 150 on Betfair, and, and, the, and the layers are offering 66s across the board. That's a huge discrepancy. So people are scared of his back injury. I read yeah. I read his interview post Sunday, and he said that the he's he's happy with his back. It it was basically that long drive. It had been raining and lashing the wind. Uh, he says that the back's fine. He's happy with it. Mm-hmm. He's not concerned about it anymore. And he and he knows, as you said, Paul, he knows what to do with it anyway. Yeah. Is so, yeah. is he is he elite enough though for that price? If he's in the hunt for his uh, exchange price to get short enough for you to get a um, decent lay, no, or are you just yet. riding that all the way to the to the end? Completely agree. Yeah, I I, I personally wouldn't back him. I'd I'd rather back him at a price each way. It's an each way punt for me. Each way with the, with with a little cheeky fiver on the the Betfair exchange just to juice the win if he does get it. <laughs> you you said Paul about Poulter and targets. Remember when he won the Houston Open two years ago? That was place on the basis that he didn't have an Augusta National invite. Mm. Mm. And what did he go and do? Went and won it, didn't he? Yeah. He's that kind of player. When he's when he's at his best and he knows he's playing well, he's so bl- bloody-minded, he likes... I mean, he, uh, Skybet have just lengthened him to 70-1 to 1 as a bet 365. So, I don't know. I, I'm on I'm on the post, man. I, I, I think he wants to get that top 50 position comfortably in his back pocket so that he's got access to WGCs and majors in 2021 with that goal of getting an automatic pick for whistling straights in the Ryder Cup. That's where I'm at with him. I've also gone for the the form horse at the moment, a guy that's local to the area, clearly is playing some outstanding golf right now, Matthew Wolfe. I don't think I need to go on too long about Wolfe. Second and second, last two events. 
it's just his maturity when I read all of his interviews, Ike, about Wolf, and I can kind of see it almost coming through in his amateur results. This guy used to string together wins, and it, it, his amateur form was just unbelievable. He, you know, three straight wins together in late 2018. He then came back. Uh, he finished 50th at the 2019 Waste Management as an amateur. He then went on a run of first, 14th, second, and one across four consecutive. Um, outings at amateurs and then of course he joins the PGA Tour within three tournaments of becoming a professional wins his first PGA Tour event this guy I think he's an exceptional talent I, I think he's equal to Morikawa potentially and uh, as he said uh, at the end of uh, last week when he lost to Martin Laird in the playoff he said I'm, I'm comfortable now You know, I can compete in the US Open and almost win that these kind of standard events now I just know that a win, I'm going to try for a win either next week or the week after. So I'm going with him. I'll probably back him next week as well at uh, the Zozo because he's just playing some outstanding golf ball from tee to green. He's outstanding right now. And at the top, I landed Justin Thomas in this last year, win only. Um, the he Thomas was the favourite in 17 and 19 and won. Brooks Kepka when he won in 2018, was second favourite at 10 to 1. We haven't had... Anyone above ten to one winning this in three renewals so far? I actually thought ten to one for the world number one Dustin Johnson, who clearly has played this golf course a number of times and seems to get on quite well with it. Um, and when he has these purple patches, just can win for fun. Um, I know I got tweeted yesterday that Paddy Power had a win only price on him at twelve to one, and that got backed into elevens last night. So that might there might be a bit of elevens out there if you if you want to go win only, but I just took ten to one on Dustin Johnson at the top. Don't really need to explain that one. I mean, you, you can take your pick, can't you? You can have Ram, you can have DJ, Rory, or JT. Yeah. I, I I I opted for the DJ route. Yeah. Twenty three PGA Tour victories. Yeah, there's, there's quite a lot. Been quite a bit of money for Ram, but um, you know, clearly DJ's got that uh, bit of experience around the track as well, hasn't he? Well, I keep my eye on the prices as they come out, and William Hill had him priced up at fourteen to one on first show, Ram, and that changed within about two minutes. <laughs> yeah, so people sitting there ready on the boat. Whether someone backed or whether people backed him and it backed it in, or whether the odds compiler then looked at P- yeah. Paddy Power, had him up at eleven to one, and realised I've bit made a bit of a ricket here. Yeah, I'm going to get absolutely yeah. hammered on this. You can't argue with Ram, can you? Because you know he's Don't. done well out in California. He's got all the course. He, he plays Riviera and Pebble well. It was a toss-up, really, between the two. Who would you take, Paul? I know who you're going to say. Who would you take at the same price, Ram or DJ? Um, probably DJ. Um, I I haven't done yet. But one of the potential routes for me this week is to back the um, two players at the top of our respective predictors yours is um, DJ mine is Eddie Pepperell who I'll talk through in a few minutes on the Scottish Championship but um, this feels to me the kind of week where you might find that those statistical um, um, short price players both convert and convert for a nice juicy double so um, so yeah of the two DJ for me I know I've waffled and we're 50 minutes into the podcast who who have you two got? I know um, Barry's on Bubba. What who other what other players have you two backed? You go first, Barry. Uh, I've backed Louis Eusthausen. Louis, yeah, flying final round last week, didn't he? He's just doing he, like he's just 
looking at uh, across the board, he's just popping in a lot of categories. Like, okay, I know he said scrambling is not super important this week, but doing well in scrambling, putting, stroke, yeah, strokes gained approach. I mean, he's in your top 25 tee to green rankings in 12th place. Uh, he's in the top four strokes gained total. So that's stroke gained current form in the last eight weeks. DJ, Ram, Zander, and then Louis. So, yeah, Blake's playing outstanding we, golf, isn't he? We do have that issue about him not winning uh, over in the USA. But, I don't know, I just... Limited field, four rounds. You know, there's a bit of altitude going on there. He's won at altitude before on these long courses. But, you know, altitude-shortened courses. Mm, that's true. There's that, that little bit of the Augusta link. He's gone well there. I just, mm. you know, 40 to 1, I said, well, give it a go. I'm not, I'm not interested in trying to pick between the the short guys at the very top uh, because I could happily be sitting on any one of them and uh, him not winning. So... Uh, I'd rather just take the little extra odds and see what happens to Louis. Fair enough. Um, I've gone for a guy, well, I've gone for two two more um, hundreds one or longer shots. I've gone for a guy who, um, if you go through the additional variables that you've added to your stats this week, Steve. So this guy ranks um, ninth for bent grass putting, eighth for desert performances, fifth for altitude. He lives in Las Vegas. Um, looked good last week. Was seventh going into Sunday last week. Um, he's got a win at the Greenbrier, which you mentioned earlier. Um, a couple of top fours at Riviera. Um, two top tens at Quail Hollow, which is another Fazio. Um, had some work from Fazio in there. Seventh at Oakmont, which was another Fazio input. A couple of top tens at Conway Farms, the BMW Championship. You're thinking it. You're going for Kevin Nahr, aren't you? Kevin Nahr, hundred and ten to one. Second for driving accuracy last week. Um, he was defending, though. I mean, he's seventh going into the final day. He was defending. Yeah. And didn't quite he did ca- far better than I thought he would. Yeah, he absolutely. did far better than I thought yeah. he would, yeah. Three wins in the last couple of years. Kevin Nahr wins far Probably more often than his price suggests. So 110 to 1. I'm quite happy to take Kevin Nahr on this week and see if he can uh, have a decent week. Um, the other one I backed is Mackenzie Hughes has been playing some nice stuff um, another Fazio winner uh, he won the uh, RSM um, a yeah. few years back didn't he um, 13th for the Northern Trust 10th for the BMW 7th for the Tour Championships and really good um, efforts there third at the Corrales after missing the cut at the US Open the only downside with him um, contrary to the Kevin Nahr numbers I just read through there isn't much bent grass and desert form in there to see but I think he's playing some good stuff so Again, at the same price, 110 to 1, I've taken him as well. He's bang on the top 50 bubble, isn't he, mm. Hughes? He's been playing some good stuff. I've been impressed yeah. with Mackenzie Hughes last year. Like 48 or something. The only thing I will say, and this is this is the angle that, uh, and it doesn't happen every year, you know, blah, blah, blah. Just looking at this CJ Cup last year, and I'll shut up and we move on to the Scottish um, Championship. Cameron Smith, he was 40 to 1, placed... Ben Ann and Tyrrell Hatton were 50 to 1 each last year in this, and they they ranked 48th, 49th, and 51st in the world golf ranking. So there's something in it. Yeah. Scottish, definitely something in it. It's motivation, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's Scottish, those in the bubble. Scottish Championship, Paul. Let's, Scottish let's Championship. Yeah, final leg of our um, second post lockdown UK swing. Uh, back north of the borders, Scotland. Back to normal in terms of the prize funds as well. So we've had a couple of Rolex Series events where we had some decent prize funds, decent fields. We're back down to a million euros 
and 2,000 race to Dubai points. So the quality of the field has understandably dropped a bit, but not massively slow. We've still got a few names there. Matt Wallace, 11 to 1 favourite this week. Uh, Lee Westwood, 14 to 1. Aaron Rye, 16 to 1. Um, short as 12 to 1 in places, Aaron Rye, if you fancy a bit of Aaron. Um, he's absolutely been hammered, hasn't he, after his win in Scotland a couple of weeks back. God, yeah. What a price. Eddie Pepperell, generally 14s, a little bit 16s out there if you want to take fewer places. Uh, Bobby McIntyre, 18 to 1. And then into the likes of Sam Horsfield, Renato Paratori, two recent winners, 25 to 1. Gavin Green, Matthew Jordan, 28s, 33 to 1 bar those players. Worth noting, it's only a 108-man field this week, um, which is not a number. I don't think I've ever... Um, commented on a 108-man field in the past, but clearly this is um, part of the new setup and uh, the way that the European Tour are managing to get events in at the back end of the year when daylight is clearly being compromised as the uh, as the world turns towards, or the Northern Hemisphere turns towards uh, winter time. So um, 108-man field will be a cut as normal. Interestingly, the boil sports are still going eight places each way on that um, 108-man field. So that's particularly strong, I think. You're covering an awful lot of the field off for eight places on 108 players. Um, also worth noticing, I'm sure many people spotted this, Bet365 um, started their shot tracker last week on the site. And Did you see that, Baron? I did, yeah. 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 Very a good bit of kit. Absolutely. So we've been moaning like mad for a long time that there's no shot track and there's no um, play-by-play options on the European Tour. And there still isn't on the European Tour website itself. But credit to Bet365, they've found a way to incorporate that into their website. So there's more details on my preview um, and some screenshots so you can see what kind of uh, thing you get with um, with. Bet365, but certainly gives you a an option to see how your players are doing that wasn't there before on the European Tour. So I take it you have to have an active account, yeah? No, you can you can just view it on the app on the you website. You just view it. Yeah, absolutely. Whether it stays like that, I don't know. Um, but uh, right now you can uh, you can just look at the in, in play market and uh, and to see how your players are doing, which is uh, which bravo is to Bet Three Six Five. Eh? They've Indeed. actually beat the European Tour, giving play for play on the European Tour. Uh, and surely they're paying or paying the company who's tracking all the stats to get that information yeah. and put it up on their site. Absolutely, it must be. There's a third party involved there, so it's just strange that the European Tour don't have it up on their site. I mean, like, why? Why would you? You know. There's just there's no logic to it why it's not up on the no, shop trackers on no, the I mean, it may, when it's available. Yeah, it may be something that's um, in development and maybe something. I mean, we've seen a few um, different attempts with the European Tour website over the years that have uh, that been rolled back and changed and uh, scrapped and perhaps they're um, in the process of incorporating it into their site at the moment. Who knows? But um, maybe bets three six five are their are their crash test dummy for seeing how it works. Yeah, yeah, potentially, potentially. But, uh, but I, I used it quite extensively last week and was very impressed with it. So uh, if you haven't seen it yet, check it out. See what you think. Um, this week's track is a new one to the European Tour. It's the Torrance Course at Fairmont St Andrews. Uh, the track itself, named after the man who designed it, Sam Torrance, of course. It's a coastal track, modern style links, par 72, um, 7,230 yards from the back tees, which is what they will be playing this week by the looks of it. 
and it's got typical linksy features as you'd expect wide fairways pop bunkers gorse along the fairways and some of the holes are flanking the sea fescue rough the, the greens are a mix of fescue and bent grass and when the conditions allow they're purportedly quite quick for uh, linksy greens only opened in 2001 but it does look like it's been there for decades it's one of these modern links that actually really does fit in with the area so um, for the purists again it won't be a links track because it's been manufactured but um, when you look at it when you see it this week um, for all intents and purposes let's just call it a links track because that's what it's trying to be and that's effectively what it is um, we haven't got any European Tour events hosted here, but they did have the Senior Scottish Open here six times between 2009 and 2014. Some differing scores in those six events, um, minus four through to minus 17 were the winning scores. Um, in two of those renewals, the winner was the only player to be under par. Everyone else was par or worse. So clearly it can play quite tough when conditions are windy and, and tricky. Um, 17 under through three rounds also shows you the flip side of that uh, and in good conditions accuracy and greens and regulation is particularly high so it all comes down to putting in poor conditions as of, often the case with the Lynx track uh, scrambling bogey avoidance tends to be the order of the day this week um, I mean we're towards the back end well, well mid-October now so um, they could get some really nasty weather in Scotland but it looks like we're going to be relatively lucky it looks like it's mainly dry. It's going to be cold, as you'd expect, around 10 uh, centigrade, so 50, maybe 52, 54 Fahrenheit in the afternoons, but that'll be about it. Uh, winds on and around 10 miles an hour. Coming off the sea, though, and it is blowing in directly off the sea this week, so I expect it will be a little bit windier than the forecast would suggest, but um, I don't think it's going to be massively tough. I don't think it's going to be one of these events that we saw on the seniors where there was no. one player under par. I think it'll be. It's a shame they're not playing it today. It's 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 blowing it's blowing twenty five thirty mile an hour up there as we're recording this. That's, That's the kind of golf <laughs> I want to watch. That that uh, that sort the bet out for the boys. But Definitely. Uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see because it is literally the the wind is literally coming in from the east northeast, which is um when you look at uh, where the course is St Andrews and St Andrews area on the east coast of um, Scotland it's literally blowing straight in off the sea to where they are. So that 10 mile an hour could um, look considerably more, but um, we'll, we'll see. It'll feel considerably more than that as well. It's cold, yeah. plenty of humidity in it. That, like, that wind will have weight and torque to it. <laughs> well, yeah, when, when, I mean, when the air temperatures sub 10, uh, 10 centigrade anyway, and then, you, yeah. then you're adding in that cold wind coming off the North Sea, yeah, I think it'll, I think it'll be, feel quite chilly. Um, that ball won't be going anywhere. No, no, I think you're right. I think you're right. But overall, I think it's you know it's not going to be blowing twenty five thirty. I don't think it's going to be one of these bogey fests. I think it should be a reasonable kind of mid to um, yeah mid teens under par would kind of be my guess as to where we get to this week. I'd have said um, picking the bones out of the senior events that are here. And um, surprisingly, there were some stats with these events. I've listed them on the preview so you can see. Generally, um, when the conditions were reasonably okay, um, putting was key. Um, but for me, I, you need to putt well when you come to these kind of tracks, obviously. But um, I think you also need to feel comfortable in the kind of terrain, the linksy kind of uh, track, um, and, and the tracks that are on and around Scotland and Ireland and uh, England, of course. And those players who felt particularly comfortable in that kind of 
set up in the past would be the ones that I've tended to focus on. Um, so I've gone before, I'm stuck before again this week in total. I've gone with Eddie Pepper, I mentioned earlier. Um, I took 14 to 1, eight places each way with uh, Boyle Sports. I have gone each way with him, and I did take um, slightly less to get those eight places rather than the um, 16 to 1 that's available if you're going to take just five and a quarter or maybe six and a fifth with some of the firms. Um, I mean, given the short field, it's not the most attractive betting heat in general, I don't think. Um, you, once you've gone past the top few in the betting, you're picking up players who um, you really wouldn't fancy backing, and some of them are in the kind of 30, 40 to 1 bracket. So getting a player who's clearly capable of winning and clearly um, playing some good golf and clearly plays well on linksy style tracks at um, a reasonable enough price and um, was good enough for me. Ninth and sixth over his last two starts, both of them at Rolex series level, so a step or two above this. Um, positive form for me. Uh, ninth at Renaissance, again, that was a linksy style, faux links, um, similar to this. He was second, second for strokes game putting that week on the fescue greens there at Renaissance. Sixth last week at Wentworth, where he was first for strokes gain approach. So some good stuff coming from the game of Eddie Peppel right now. Um, and I think for me, if he can focus 100% on this, and that a lot of it is um, how Eddie tackles and attacks a, a, an event himself mentally. If he's 100% focused on this, it's there for the taking. He could quite reasonably win his uh, next European Tour event here. Um the, uh, if you go back through his top OWGR reaping events over his career, um, that BMW event last week, um, that was his sixth, or sorry, his seventh best performance of his career today. He had a third at Sawgrass, which is also right up there. But if you look at the other events um, on and around his best performances um, of his career, most of them have some kind of linksy connotation to him. So he's one in Qatar. Um, the Doha, Doha, Doha track there um, is a linksy style, and we often see link players who play well on linksy courses play well there at Doha. Um, well, at Walton Heath, and you and I walked around Walton Heath, Steve, and it felt quite linksy in a number yeah. of the uh, the places there. And for those guys who like the biorhythm kind of angle, he won that in this week a couple of years ago um, over there at Walton Heath. He lost in the playoff at Royal County down to um, Simon Kjeldsen a couple of years back. He was runner-up at Gullen um, under the Scottish Open. Sixth at Carnoustie at the Open Championship. Um, he loves these kind of uh, tests, this kind of linksy or linksy style golf. So quite happy to take Eddie on at the top of the shop here this week at 14-1. to 1. Um, Longer prices, I've also backed Padraig Harrington this week at 55 Um the pressure's off Harrington right now. Um, no Ryder Cup qualifying. It's all in limbo until the new year. So as we often see with Ryder Cup captains, their form just falls off a cliff when they're focusing on the job at hand. But it's kind of got these few months between now and the start of the next year to uh, just relax a little bit. And there's been some good golf coming out of him. I mean, we, we saw, what was it, four years ago now, he won the um, Portugal Masters when he came back from the uh, the PGA Tour and stepped down a level and, and, and was clearly good enough and more than good enough to win at the European Tour level. There's been a few flashes of form since that point. Um, fourth at the Scottish Open the year after, fourth at the Turkish Open, second at the Czech Masters, fifth at the KLM Open, seventh at the Dunhill Links is comparable to, to this week's uh, test as well. Um, all of that before his duties for the Ryder Cup kind of took over and his form did dip. But it's interesting to see with a little bit of um, you know kind of carefree golf 
um, available to him right now that he's been playing some good stuff. Ninth at the Scottish Open. Again, at Renaissance, which we talked about a second ago, it should be a good indicator for this week. 40th last week at Wentworth. Doesn't look a great deal on paper, but dig into his long game. Second for driving accuracy. Sixth for total driving. Sixth ball striking. His long game looked really good. So there's some good stuff coming out. You'll see a lot of his... Um, performances on and around the greens there's been some lovely chip-ins and the whole bunker shots and all sorts over the last couple of couple of weeks and a big smile on the Drake's face as well so um, he's playing some good stuff at the moment two open wins two two Dunhill links wins don't really need much more explanation I don't think when we come to a test such as this um nor does it make much, or nor does it need much explanation when I put up Matthew Southgate um at forty to one for this as well I. You know, Steve and I talked about this yesterday. You love him. Well, I, I, I couldn't leave him out. If I if if I if I didn't back Matthew Southgate when he's playing some really nice golf on a You're track me. that absolutely suits him, just because he's forty to one, and I, I look at the price and think, oh, no, I can't take that. If he goes and wins at forty to one, I'll be happy as Larry. So I'm I'm putting him in. Cool. He's in. He's going in. He's backed. He's he's probably backed. Um, he loves links, as we've said. I've, I've, I've gone through it a thousand times. So if you read, read the preview if you want to go through his list of links performances. But suffice it to say, he absolutely loves this kind of track. Ninth Renaissance a few weeks or a couple of weeks back. And long game looked really good again. Seventh for driving accuracy, second for greens in regulation. And played some really consistent golf recently. And 44th last week at Wentworth. Um, again, similar to Harrington, doesn't really shout um, back me, but he's playing. You know that that that, that style of golf Wentworth doesn't suit him whatsoever. Um, he's missed three of his previous four cuts um, down in Surrey, so for him to actually make the cut and to play well or well enough to get a check at the end of it was positive. He birded four of his final six holes on Sunday for a bit of momentum coming into this as well. So quite happy to take Southgate at forty to one. And then finally, um, a little bit more of a punt is Grant Forrest, 66 to 1, who's right in the mix that went with last week on debut. Um, in the, at the end of the second round, he was uh, he was top six or top eight, that kind of position. Um, hung around for a bit and then slowly faded away, 32nd in the end. But on his Wentworth debut, that was decent enough. Um, like Southgate, he's won the St Andrews Trophy as an amateur. Um, born and raised in North Berwick, so he's had plenty of access to the likes of Archerfield Links and Gullen and Muirfield. Um, he's currently attached to Craiglaw, which um, is just around the coast um, into the Firth of Forth a little bit. So he's clearly comfortable with this style of golf. Um, he's getting more and more adept at playing at this level as well. Got four runner-up finishes on the Challenge Tour, but slowly getting his head around the European Tour. A couple of top seven finishes at Mauritius, which is one of these coastal affairs. 14th at La Hinch last year. 10th in Oman, which again has got some linksy kind of connotations to it. 19th at Renaissance a fortnight ago. So some good recent-ish form on comparable courses as well and um, in a field that doesn't have that much depth once you go beyond the first five or six players I thought 66 to 1 was worth a chance for a player who's um, up and coming and should love the terrain this week so then my four any of you guys uh, back to anyone in Europe I'm struggling with Europe these days I don't know if it's the whatever local <laughs> It's a, something I just can't seem to put my finger on it too too well or get even close to somebody performing well. So um, I'm really kind of 
reined back in my betting on Europe and just maybe one or two long shots for the week. So um, one that did stick out was a um, recent winner on the Challenge Tour two weeks ago, Hurley Long. Mm. Um, just going with somebody, just looking for somebody who's playing well. You know, it's an unknown course to, let's say, us at the level of tournament we're looking at right now. It's not, you know, we're not, it's not too well known. So, you know, guys who've been on tour for a long time don't have that advantage over the new guys. He's playing well, got the confidence of a win. He won't feel too intimidated by the strength of the field, and he is 200 to 1, so feels like a why not kind of situation. So I did why not it and put the bet on. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> oh, very good. And, and you got anyone? Oh, go on, you got another one, Bear. No, no, no. But uh, just, just to re- like it's it's real strategy, you know, that all the listeners I'm sure will appreciate. <laughs> no, no, and I think ultimately, if you're not, you don't feel comfortable on a particular tour, and you know, mm. there's, there's no point just placing bets for the sake of it, just for a bit of interest. If you if you're not comfortable, then you know, there's no one screaming at you to back. Then uh, then don't don't throw your money away. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. could it could be a week to really get stuck into the bet three six five. Um, shot tracking and, and see if I can grab any spots for uh, a bet or two in running yeah well, this is it it gives you another another level of um, research that you can do as the event's going on which uh, we've been blind up to this point so uh, mm. yes yeah, very positive Brandon Stone's always one you look at in mm. Scotland isn't he yeah Scottish he's, he's one of these guys that seems to flatter to deceive quite a lot as well yeah yeah wasn't he tipped up recently at an event and bombed badly? I, I put him up at the Scottish my, my Open. Imagination. Yeah, no, I put him up at Renaissance and not much happened there. But um, yeah, I, he's the kind of player who could come back and, uh, you know, hits a lot of greens, doesn't he, um, Stone? So when the putter works, then um, he's yeah, never quite He's like out. 14th in Portugal, top 20 at that asset, at that um, Scottish Open you're talking about. And then he misses the cut at Wentworth, but he misses the cut there every single year. Mm. In a field of such limited strength, I just thought forty to one about him might be worth a little investment. Yeah, potentially. He, he can clearly play by the coast, and he always grabs me stone as the kind of guy that if that's blowing thirty-five miles an hour, not so good. But if it's going to be low scoring, yeah, potentially be one. Yeah, potentially, potentially. I don't know how he copes with cold conditions though, because ten. <laughs> Ten Celsius with a with a, a northeasterly wind coming from Norway is going to sort a few of them out, isn't it? Yeah, I think your fingers are going to be quite uh, quite cold this week. So, let me just recap on the Betfair prices. Petrol is currently eighteen. Southgate thirty six. He's been hammered. Harrington is at seventy, and your friend Forrest at fifty fives. He's been supported on yeah, Betfair. Uh, in America. DJ is 11, Wolf 25, Neiman 70, Poulter, everyone's scared of Poulter at 150, Bubba Watson into 80 on Betfair Exchange. I think that's us, gentlemen. Indeed. Barry, it's nice to have you on Barry, it's nice to have you on board. It's good to be back, yeah. Work's been a bit mad the last couple of weeks, so I couldn't just punch that hole in the middle of the day to, to make it happen, but uh Nice, nice to be able to get back into it this week, and hopefully we get a few weeks in our own. Now. We get a lot of, when you're not on. Message: Where's Barry? <laughs> I like it when Barry. I on. appreciate that. I mean, it, it means that the bribes I'm sending out there are actually working. 
They never say that. They never. Are, well, I suppose Paul and I are always on the podcast, so it's difficult to ask us the question. But they, people seem to miss you when you're not on. Should be flattered, Barry. Feel, feeling the love and feeling the love. I like it. Good luck to both of you guys. Yeah, best of luck, chaps. Good luck, everyone. And best. Let's of get luck. a winner. Let's get the yeah. transatlantic double. Yeah, you know, to see for Lord's I, sake, we need a winner. I was a little bit jealous of all the two seventy-five to one winners on Laird last week. You know, and just I want a little. I just want a little slice of that. Yeah. Just <laughs> anything. Yeah. yeah. I just want to sweat <laughs> on a Sunday. Just a sweat. <laughs> <laughs> Give me something. Yeah, we'll get there eventually. Uh, thank you to you gentlemen and uh, thank you to the listeners as ever five star review would be much appreciated we'll read it out next week thanks for your support we'll be back again soon goodbye